0: On this week's episode of Slash, as we sit down with Micah of the panel discussion podcast to discuss the life and times of The Undertaker. Stay tuned until the end of the episode for a special track from Morning Coffee.
1: There is no
0: tagline the phenom but i don't know this is slashers i guess a podcast about movies and more for those who love horror my name is jake and with me for the first time ever is my esteemed colleague co-host and cohort micah Micah, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hello, hello, mutants. How's it going, bud? Dude, I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. It's awesome to have you. We've talked about this for a long while, and I'm glad that, you know, I guess we have nothing left to do except talk to each other on Zoom now that the world's over.
1: Yeah. I like, I'm digging the whole Armageddon thing. It's nice not seeing people. It's, uh, it's nice not working stuff, you know, you know, losing your job because of a pandemic stuff like that. It's really cool. Not being able to wrestle on the weekends. It kind of sucks, but everything else is fairly cool. Are you healing up though? Uh, oh pff, yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm golden. Well, I'm go. also old though. So my knees suck, but Whatever. They're going to suck no <laughs> matter what when you're over 30, right? Dude, exactly, man. But, like, like you know, like, you're wearing, like, the mask out all the time, dude. Like, you could go like a week without brushing your teeth and no one's going to know. Oh no, stanky. Mm, so stank. So stink, And also like, like you could like put like food on the inside of those masks too and just be like a horse. I've actually done that. The feed bag. Oh yeah, dude. That's what's up.
0: It was a dumb idea, but it was a good idea because I love wasabi peas and so does my two-year-old. And so I can't let her see that I have them. So I had them in there <laughs> and my nose... Couple times got a little teary eyed from the wasabi Ooh. literally in my nostrils, but it was
1: worth it. Yeah, man, that's a great place to keep your snacks, your treasures, you know, whatever you have on you. You got drugs on you? Stuff it in there. The cops ain't gonna, ain't gonna yeah, search that.
0: I'm certainly not yeah. gonna search that. I don't want to get coughed on by a Karen.
1: Uh Uh-huh. A drug mule
0: Karen. Drug mule
1: Karen. (laughs) She's got
0: twenty kilos of Coke on her in the mask. Can we talk about how that's an untapped potential for a pro wrestling character? Because like Vicky Guerrero hasn't done that character in like 10 years.
1: Oh, the Karen gimmick.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was Karen before it was Karen. Seriously. Yeah, she's fantastic. So going to wrestling, we're going to talk about The Undertaker because he just retired real quick. Micah, why do you think horror fans, even if they're not like into wrestling, should at least be anecdotally interested in the history of this guy?
1: Absolutely. He's an undead ghoul, but there's also so much mystique to compare The Undertaker to someone from a movie would be like the tall man from Phantasm. What is he? Is he is he dead is he otherworldly he's clearly an alien to regular people yeah it's what's what's in him is it formaldehyde is it blood like as you're this little kid watching this eye it's you see his eyes sunk in the back of his head like he is a true ghoul and he was something to be afraid of it was also a mix of Jason Voorhees to where shotgun blast. Oh, he's down undertaker slowly sits up. It's, it was terrifying because when he started, he was a bad guy, of course. And, you Know here it's like Jason Voorhees, all the good guys are getting killed, all you, all everyone you've grown to like getting killed left and right. Yep. You know, Snooka, Jake the Snake, they all fell to the taker, you know. So, um, plus, come on, for as a horror fan, his name is The Undertaker. Seriously, that's awesome. And really embarrassed by this, but I think it was 2013 is when I figured out Paul Bearer was a pun oh the casket carrier i was very very embarrassed very very embarrassed when
0: i found that oh no poor fella Yeah, so I completely agree with every point that you made if you don't give a shit about wrestling This guy is still worth your time because an incredibly prolific career interesting Generally pretty cool dude behind the scenes and everything and it's just it's awesome to be able to see If you're a horror fan and you don't like wrestling at least you could like the production value At least you could like the conception at least you could like the costuming And that's some of the stuff we're to get into and no better character than a guy like the undertaker and you even could talk about his entrances like
1: it's all horror based
0: oh yeah i miss when he had superpowers like lightning and shit but we will get into that <laughs> yeah so mark william Callaway was born on the year of our lord 1965 march 24th i mean this dude's like younger than my mom but like not by much he's a young man but did you watch the recent
1: documentary with him the last ride yeah, man, he was walking around like the way Terry Funk walked around yeah. in 1999 Beyond the Matt movie. <laughs> that fool had hip
0: surgery back in 2005. That means his hip surgery is almost old enough to drive. That's how long ago that was. Crazy.
1: Oh, that's so weird. Mm hmm.
0: So he is a seven time WWE champion, having held the championship four times, the World Heavyweight Championship three times. And then he had, was it World Class Championship Wrestling titles? He had <laughs> the WCWA Texas Heavyweight Championship. What the hell was that? Oh, so I actually went and looked at each wrestling organization where he had a t- title. And I have a, yeah. a list of them. His first championship was the WCCW. Then he had the oh, okay. USWA Unified. Then he had the WCWA. And then he ended up going to WWF after that. But I mean, he held gold very early in his career because he had that it factor.
1: Oh, he was trained by Buzz Sawyer and he's a big fucking dude.
0: Yeah. And he can move. Yeah. And he was also trained by Don Jardine, the spoiler with the mask who taught him the roadwalk walk technique. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fun fact, when we were dumb kids cuz I had fallen out of wrestling and you know what got me into it was the video games cuz in the video games it's basically Street Fighter. It's all real, right? And so I was like, yeah, it's fucking <laughs> rules. But I'll never forget playing one of the games and my friend seeing the move with the walk and he's like, that's so romantic and that's ruined so that romantic. mood for me forever.
1: <laughs> Let me hold your hand.
0: Right. <laughs> and never was able to look at it the same way so thanks oh, christopher
1: you kind of ruined
0: it for me too man sorry but at least he's not gonna do it anymore because he's retired
1: yeah 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 retired sure i'll believe it when yeah, i see dude. it man when saudi arabia calls with a million
0: dollar payday yep get the fuck out of here he'll come back with a shaved head and <laughs> right with the fucking ill-advised yep. mohawk
1: oh that was so ugly <laughs> Oh, you're gonna you're gonna go out uh, losing your streak with hair like that. Oh, woof. Uh huh.
0: Yeah. So he ends up getting recruited by the Fritz von Erich because this is a Texan boy. At the time, he was playing college football with the Rams, which is not the like the Rams Rams. It was at Angelina yeah. College, and then he basically says, "Fuck education. I'm gonna get massive head trauma for a living." And thank <laughs> God he did. Yeah, man. So his first match was. Under the name Texas Red in world class championship wrestling, do you know who it was against? Oh, I do not. Bruiser, but fucking Brody. Oh my god, seriously, it blows my mind. And you could, you should listen to him talk about it because it's the funniest shit in the world. Because now he's an old vet, right? Yeah. So he talks about thinking he was going to get in offense against Bruiser Brody, who legitimately got pissed off enough
1: to break a wooden chair over his back hard way. Oof. <laughs> Good Lord, man. Bruiser Brody, he was he was something, dude. I remember that one match with Lex Luger where he was just no selling everything and walked off. Like- oh, yeah. Dude, what? Yeah, and everything that happened in Puerto Rico is insane. Absolutely, that's one of the most insane wrestling stories ever. And the fact that so many people witnessed this murder, but nobody will say anything because they're scared of their like their lives and their loved ones. Oh yeah, and look at Abdullah the Butcher, who's still like kind of
0: kayfabe. Like he talks about it like a legitimate thing. You're like what is real, what is not? It's so interesting. Oh yeah,
1: dude, those old timers are all. Yeah, it's nuts. I was on a show with Tony Atlas a couple of years ago. And we tried, like, getting... Details from him yeah he was really good at controlling the conversation he would be like oh yeah yeah puerto rico was something but well, you know what else was something is mr fuji ripping everybody <laughs> by putting lsd in the cookies oh jesus ah, like you know why i I, I lost my job because I, I had a foot fetish and i like like yeah just like <laughs> stuff like that like that's amazing
0: but he's got to he's been dodging these questions for 30 years and it's still like one of the most interesting enigmas Like when Dark Side of the Ring did their thing on it, I remember people being like, Oh, yeah, we're gonna get to the truth of it, vengeance, you know, criminal. (laughs) No, nothing's gonna fucking
1: happen. No, nothing's gonna happen. That show isn't gonna do anything for that.
0: So we have his early beginnings. Awesome fact, he was working with Percival, quote unquote Percy Pringle the Third, who later played his I don't know the guy who fucked
1: his His, mom his dad his his Kane's dad
0: right that's the thing dad yeah
1: yeah it's a weird one so they're only half brothers of destruction but anyway wrestling is seriously such a small world when you see like stuff like that like you know Percy Pringle hooking up with Undertaker before he was Undertaker before he was Paul Bearer like like shit like shit like that is seriously wild like Hulk Hogan's going to his first wrestling match, and the guy driving is freaking Pat Patterson. Pat Patterson <laughs> drove him to his first wrestling match, and on the ride there, Pat Patterson said that after the match, everyone's going to rape him. Wow, I didn't know
0: that part. I knew about the driving, but wow, that subtext. Yeah, and especially to come from a guy like Pat
1: is an interesting little foil. So Pat Patterson was just like, "Hey, it's your first match. I'm driving us along, right? You're gonna suck. You're gonna suck my dick." And <laughs> Hogan said, "No, I'm not gonna suck your dick, sir." He goes, "You know, suck my dick." I'll see to it that after your match, all the guys will uh, will run a train on you. And Hogan's like, are you serious? And he's like, yep. And Hogan sat in silence for like two hours and they got to the show. Hogan had the match, came back to the curtain. He was looking for different exits to like get out. Uh, And he's like, I have to go back the way I came. And when he walked through the curtain, Pat Patterson was there to throw him a beer. And everyone had like like beers ready for him. Like, oh, it's the kid's first match. Good rib, good rib. Oh, wow.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So... That's a terrifying rib, though. Yeah. (laughs) That's
0: that's awful. There are tons of stories, because my mom used to own a gym, and that was back in the American Gladiator steroid era, and the legends of, like, guys making dudes suck their dicks to be on shows and stuff. It was, like, a super gross, scary time. But, hey, I don't know what to say. Let's move on. I backed myself (laughs) into a corner with that topic, because there's no, like, punchline to that. So, Undertaker, right? Whey protein via cock. Anyway... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Calloway ends up going over to Continental Wrestling Association, which then gets part of the United States Wrestling Association when Jerry Jarrett bought the WCCW and merged it. Can we just talk
1: about during this time of his career, how like ugly he is? Oh, with the red flat top? Yeah, I love it. He looks like the bully from A Christmas Story. Yes! Like like grown up. Like He looks like the dad of O'Doyle rules. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's just so pasty and that disgusting hair. And
0: where the fuck did those freckles go when he became The Undertaker? Like, I don't think people realize (laughs) how much makeup he was wearing on every part of his body. Oh, right. Yeah. And so when he's in WCCW or whatever the hell it is at this point, did you know he was managed for a time by Dutch Mantel?
1: Yes yeah I uh I watched a couple se- uh promo segments with that Dutch is uh very interesting yeah well I'm just gonna call him interesting yes
0: yeah. very diplomatic yeah you hear some of the things about like the xenophobic character he played and then you hear like some of the things about the things he thinks about xenophobia and stuff it's uh, you know it's good you yeah. can Google it he this yeah. isn't an episode about Dutch his character <laughs> at the time already we're dealing with spooky shit. when he's Texas red he wears a mask when he's this fella mean Mark Callis. He He'd spent five years in prison for killing two men in a fight. Like
1: That's it. what the segment the promo was. That's right. It's so weird. Yeah. Like
0: you, some people are just naturally spooky. You know, I was talking oh, to yeah. a friend about like why I podcast. He's like, but why horror movies? Like you already had a podcast about whatever. And then you had another podcast about MMA. And I was like, because I've always just been spooky. Like it's always going to have this underpinning. So I might as well just do it. That's why we gravitate towards the Undertaker.
1: Yeah, he's spooky.
0: Yeah. And so then in WCWA, he was the Punisher and he won his first Texas heavyweight champion ship on october 5th 1989 when i was a whopping two years old so that tells you how
1: long his career is my wife wasn't even born yet
0: hey i was around but she wasn't then he goes to Mm -hmm. world championship wrestling and this Mm -hmm. this you could understand how a guy never wrestles again after the experience he had there Oh, yeah, man. Like, the wrestling world is rife with stories about guys who had this happen, but then didn't make it. You know what I mean? Yep. So, he starts off as Mean Mark Callis, which is gifted to him from Terry Funk.
1: Awesome. That's Yeah, that's great.
0: So, he replaces Sid Vicious in the Skyscrapers with Don Spivey. Spivey's basically like, fuck this. They're never going to book us like the Road Warriors. We're never going to be treated good. I quit. So, bear in mind... At this point, when Spivey leaves, there are now no founding members of the Skyscrapers calling themselves the Skyscrapers, albeit very briefly, as they just get basically plastered
1: by the road warriors and turned into
0: fucking nothing.
1: Ah, yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. So, I vaguely remember this. This isn't something I try to go back and rewatch, but I definitely saw this like as it aired as a kid, and I vaguely remember like the new skyscrapers and then yeah, Spivey piecing out.
0: Apparently, he like quit without notice and basically left him holding really? the bag. Yeah, I've read a couple things that were you know pretty interesting. Now that he's you know not the spooky zombie guy anymore, Mark has been doing a lot more media and interviews and stuff, and so there's been some really cool articles about it because it immediately after I, this he gets with Polly dangerously A.K.A. Paul Heyman, so it's a bad yep. thing, but it's kind of
1: almost was a good thing. Well, it's a great way to meet Paul Heyman and you know start working with him. You get when you work with the guy like that, you have some one on one time, and it just kind of kind of works out in the long run, right?
0: Yeah, honestly, I could definitely like, see why Heyman would gravitate to a guy like that, and it makes it it's sad because if Heyman had the power that he deserved at that time, you know, if he had WWE to twenty twenty Heyman power, what mm-hmm. he could have. Been been without having a, a great gimmick you know it's amazing but yeah i digress he basically doesn't end up getting that singles career just kind of goes kaputz, and he goes on his merry way briefly featured in new japan Pro wrestling as quote the punisher dice morgan do you like that name do you love that name
1: dude i dig that that's awesome the punisher dice morgan right that's great i feel like dice you have to morgan. have cigarettes
0: rolled up in your
1: sleeve to have a name like that you know what i'm saying Dice Morgan is like the most grizzled cop on the force. Yeah, right. It's like he's like the retired cop. Somebody walks into like his house and it's like, are you Dice Morgan? Yeah, what's left of him? Yeah. <laughs> like, I used to be. Like, yeah, I dig that name Dice Morgan. And then he always has
0: his collar up, and for some reason it's always like damp around him when he's wearing his coat. And you're like, wait, wait it's Southern California. Why? And he's just like, I'm Dice Morgan. Like, I'm Dice Morgan. And yeah, then man. Famously, this butt fucker ends up going to WWF
1: and it's crazy how it happened it's crazy to think that at the time Ted DiBiase is teasing this new you know we're gonna have somebody new whatever but at the same time there was this fucking egg, the Gobbledygooka. There was this giant fucking egg, and I guess the story goes that the Undertaker, Mark, he thought that he was gonna pop out of this egg, and he was gonna have like a shaved head, and they were gonna call him the Eggman. And he had a lot of like hesitation, and he was very hesitant going in the Survivor Series because he thought that was gonna be the case. But instead, you know, as they say, the rest is history. Yeah. So he gets a call from Vince himself.
0: And Mm -hmm. Vince says, is this the Undertaker? And he's like, hell yeah, I'm whoever you want me to be. I think at that point, he's just so relieved that it's going to be Hector Guerrero in the stupid turkey costume that he will do anything. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But think about this.
0: So just a couple months before he's working at WCW, where literally he is told no one will ever pay to watch you wrestle. You're not yeah, getting a pay like, raise. Uh, you get no, no push. We Creative has nothing for you. Goodbye.
1: Dude, it's just like, you know, Steve Austin. Yep. You know, the whole, uh, yeah, We're someone like you is going to put asses in the seats. Like something like this happens. And it's a character like The Undertaker, honestly, should have only have lasted a year or Maybe. two. Yeah, it's such a ridiculous character. It's somebody who cannot sell moves is a wrestler it's it's so weird and it's just something that should it shouldn't have worked but because it was him he made it work exactly Uh, because it's an occupational thing yeah right seriously if it was anyone else man if if it was if kevin nash was like the taker or like somebody else even spivey at the time or it was brian lee like it just it wouldn't have worked It seriously wouldn't have worked. Mark brought that character to life. Truly,
0: what's the difference between him and Duke the Dumpster? They're both occupations. Both of them are taking away rotting shit. What's the difference? It's Mark (laughs) Calloway. That's the difference. (laughs) Undertaker is
1: a lot cooler than a a garbage man.
0: Well, then you got the guy like the thieving characters and you have IRS. Like you had a bunch of characters at that time who were like, "Uh, my gimmick is my profession. And for some reason, my profession isn't professional wrestling. And basically he gets brought in and it's implied that he's brought in because of his occupation because he starts off with Ted DiBiase who's paying him to be a member so he's basically hiring an undertaker who happens
1: to wrestle is kind of the way it's perceived right kind of but I remember like the commentary in the match they were alluding that he wasn't alive that he was dead he was a dead man walking stuff like that it was never oh this guy's a mortician by trade that's fair that is fair yeah they never said oh he does embalming he's you know he's the tall man the closest they really did is he would do the body bag gimmick
0: but even that itself still is more spooky than professional because you're not seeing him like measure someone for a casket so that's a fair analysis
1: (laughs) yeah i mean he i don't think he really measured anyone he just kind of eyed him up kamala had a had a nice size casket he even uh, had some of the the symbols on it right right good attention
0: to detail there
1: yeah right we're gonna make this look real nice for you bud just gotta get in
0: so he He debuts as Kane the Undertaker. And a lot of people... That's weird. Right? Because he ends up later, albeit, you know, what is it, seven years later? where you have Kane, the brother, being introduced. What do you yep. think of that? Do you think that Undertaker is better or would you have liked Kane, the Undertaker, you think?
1: No, 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 just Undertaker. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah well, Even then, like, it, when it just abbreviates to Taker, like, it, it works, man. Yep, We're exactly. in the process of naming my son right now and fuck, I hate boy names and stuff because everything's like, girls don't get nicknamed the way guys do. Like, it's sexist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, every guy I know Like, let me ask you a question. Your name is two fucking syllables. How many times have people insisted on abbreviating it to one syllable?
1: Oh, I cut that shit out quick yeah yeah i cut it out real quick <laughs> but they try <laughs> they right because it's just like that's they, it, what it has, we do yeah people have tried yeah
0: and so for like the idea of taker to work it's so weird but then also like it it fits because even if it's not undertaker it's like soul taker i don't know it's just something works about it even the stupid get up
1: it was perfect
0: yeah his stirrup pants and his phantom of the opera mask which we'll get into I have notes oh, on it. Do you? Oh, of course. <laughs> Dude, this was some of my most like
1: favorite research I've done because it was just
0: like, oh, I remember this shit. Yep, that's cool too. Yep, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> I'm just playing on memory here, man. Like, I'm like, I watched all of this stuff growing up. So, which is awesome because I, I love doing the research. My favorite part of the show
0: is the research. You know, I'm obviously Oh yeah, dude, bit, it's great, right? Well, I'm a bit of a character, right? But those who know me really well, what's really interesting is I'm very introverted in my actual being. Like to talk really? to people is a huge effort for me. So that's one of the reasons why I do it. Like I'm always extra because it's just like it's not that I'm afraid of people. I just my natural inclination is just to like be my myself and read or do my own solitary activities. And so that's my solitary activity. And I get to kind of bridge the gap to people who I think maybe grew up the way I did, where I was, whether purposefully or unintentionally, I was very isolated. So there huh. you go. That's the why of the show. <laughs> That's why you do what you do. Exactly. So he ends up initially, ini- this is a weird one. What could have been, right? This is that alternate dimension thing we talked about. Initially managed by Brother Love before getting Paul Bearer. That
1: didn't last long. No, that, uh, that really didn't last long. I remember Pritchard was doing the whole, what do you do, stuff a rose in your mouth after the her yep killed. is that what it was yep or yeah yeah i didn't really care for that it's too different looking back on it that's kind of goofy i mean obviously he needed somebody to talk because he would just occasionally chime in with his like then you will rest yeah. in peace you know but like you you needed some you needed a mouthpiece so i think at the time they were just like how are we gonna do we got jimmy hart we got heenan uh ah, fuck give him the him and brother love. <laughs> I think that's kind of how it happened. Honestly though, bro, the choice of brother love is as
0: bad as it would be with Jimmy Hart. Because the absur- like the Undertaker character is absurd, right? And if you juxtapose that character with someone normal, it's inherently a joke of look at how weird this is. So when yep. you bring in weirdo Paul Bearer, that's the juxtaposition you need. That's your mouthpiece. But the mouthpiece Perfect. doesn't make Undertaker look weird because they're the same vessel. Because otherwise, the mouthpiece is going, who's this fucking weirdo I'm managing? Why does he think he's a zombie? No, he knows he's a zombie. I'm going to advocate for my zombie character, right?
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, And and then there you had the the power of the urn came from that, too. Which is so rad until it turns into a necklace. Oh, Mabel, you bastard. Yeah, uh, dude. Paul Bearer is great. He's like a fat Vincent Price. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Paul Bearer was absolutely wonderful. We were trying to book him. I think it was a couple of years before he passed because we had an Undertaker knockoff character, which I know we'll I want to get to that later. Yeah. But we, yeah, we were trying to get Paul Bearer on a show and I think it just, I, I fell through with his handler or something. And then shortly after that, he passed away. That sucks.
0: Yeah. So it, it happens. Yeah. In his debut match. Undertaker ends up eliminating Coco Beware and Dusty Rhodes, and that's a great juxtaposition. There, you have these two fun-loving, poppy crowd favorites, brightly colored, next to this ghoul in monochrome, just like
1: die. Awesome. <laughs> I, sorry, as soon as you mentioned Coco Beware, this whole bat, like flashback just came came upon me. Like uh, my interactions with Coco. I. But yeah, yeah, dude. I'll I'll tell you about that later. Uh, yeah, dude. Undertaker just like. Coming in hot and like eliminating those two big names. Awesome absolutely awesome and it's it's kind of weird saying Coco was a big name but at the time he kind of was and what's fun
0: it's kind of a dusty finish within the match because he only gets eliminated because of his own kill instinct because he gets counted out so he yeah. still gets to look good even though it doesn't look good like it's oh almost- no, man
1: they booked dude they booked him strong they booked him real strong that was great that was such a great way of doing it because you're you're looking at this guy nobody pinned him nobody knocked him down like he the only reason why he's out of the match is because, like you said, his kill instinct. that That is strong booking right there. Here's a fun fact for you.
0: Let's take your calendar year with more than 50 matches. What year do you think was his
1: best booked year in terms of win-loss? <sighs> Oh my God, probably his, I think his first year I uh, for for the win-loss thing. I think he won more because he just, the only one that I think to beat him at the time was Ultimate Warrior, right? So that,
0: that's it. The issue there is volume because in 1994, he gets 82 wins out of 84 matches and the two losses, one of them was televised, one of them was not. That's how well-booked this fucker was back in the day.
1: Okay, yeah, there you go, man. I mean, that's yeah, crazy. It wasn't too long after that. Taker was just, uh, he was just the name that anyone could beat and it didn't matter. I like you think about like Undertaker would always main event against the champ champ would always come out, but it d- Staker still looks strong and like it didn't matter.
0: Yeah, and it, I think that's one of the coolest things about the streak because a streak is very unintentional. People will tell you for like the first 15 years of it. People are like, eh. yeah, but then that tells you he doesn't need a he doesn't need the belt because he's physically imposing otherwise. And if he had the belt, you can't be a face and a giant and a champion. It doesn't work. It worked for Bruno San Martino, but it's not going to work ever again.
1: That's why he'll take her as champ. I think it was when he beat Hogan like that. That was that's my that's actually my favorite version of undertaker too and it's so brief sadly i know such a shame he held the title yeah, for six shame.
0: fucking days and then has to yeah. drop it right
1: back to hulk yeah that's unfortunate but i just that alone that like time alone right there i think it was like the best undertaker and that was yeah his only time as a heel having it right except for when he first kind of got it kind yeah. of won it
0: big evil had that thing i don't know if you remember when it was him and jeff hardy where he was like, I'm really mean, but I'm. it's like it's post-attitude era and being mean can still be cool. So, eh, kind of heel. But yeah, what you're saying is true. Like, straight, clear, I'm evil. That's the only real time you get it. Okay, yeah. Because then you get the corporate ministry and stuff and everybody shits on that
1: rightfully so. So we just move on, right? (laughs) Dude, I like ministry. I like the corporation when it became corporate ministry and they mashed the two songs together. God, that was awful. Everybody loves the Attitude Era and everybody acts like it's the greatest thing but always forgets that there was so much bullshit.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. You know, honestly, what's great about the Attitude Era is it reminds me of so many grunge albums of the time. There's some bangers, right? But there's a lot of songs you fucking skip on those records, dude. And that's what happens with YouTube. People are like, oh, I'm just going to watch this one clip where it's awesome, where you see this and this. And then they completely forget that the other two and a half hours of Raw were fucking pre-taped in Georgia from a month before. Come on.
1: And you got those awesome, awesome pops at the end for like Austin, you know, guys like that. And I think a lot of it had to do with the show was so shitty. All they wanted to see was Austin.
0: Right. Which is Crazy when you think that like the best WWF guys were the WCW mid card completely disregarded, but we'll move on because I can get into the that radicals. whole discussion too. <laughs> so so he wins the WWF championship at the time he was the youngest. He loses it six days later. Then the title gets won by your favorite wrestler, Ric Flair, in the Royal Rumble yeah. because there was fuckery around everything, which is just another weird. You know we can't like Hulk can't lose, so he obviously gets instant revenge. But then he also doesn't have the title anymore. So, arbitrarily, we're stripping him of the title because he can't lose to Flair. And that
1: pisses me off on a personal level. Yeah, that whole that whole time is very it's its a very weird time in wrestling very weird it, it was there's a lot of confusion looking back on that it's the Undertaker beats Hogan Ric Flair as you said he interfered sliding the chair in and stuff and then somehow he doesn't have the belt and then Flair's the champ at the Royal Rumble like I uh, also uh, dude greatest Royal Rumble match ever is 92 but not wrestling as a whole was just so weird at this time because yeah. if you you, you had first off. It's weird that Rick Flair was in WWF. Even weirder, he had the, the like the NWA title with them.
0: Crazy, right? And, they had to stop showing on TV
1: because they're like, is this legal? I don't know. They he gave the belt back right away, and they were using the tag team title. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, so it was very confusing for the live audience, but like, you know, for TV, it was, you know, pixelated, whatever, uh, censored. But 92 is so weird because obviously the Ric Flair is there. And then WCW, it's like, it's so weird to not see Ric Flair there. And that's when they had all those super weird gimmicks, over the top stuff. And Sting was like the main guy there. And Robocop uh, and it, tag team with St- Well, he didn't tag, he was in a cage. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was such a weird time to have like WWF was weird. WCW was weird. Everything was weird. And and the whole universe flipped upside down everything was just all topsy-turvy dogs living with cats like and it was all because Ric Flair went to WWF everything went so topsy-turvy and this is what happened. I I mean like you have wavelengths
0: in anything right I I was on Reddit and some guy was like Luchasaurus is everything that's fucking wrong with pro wrestling I was like what are you talking about Like, you're a complete nincompoop because like you can see like five different points in relevant history where that character would still be over it's not just that things are weird today but I digress yeah. so Taker ends up getting the title then he loses it to Yokozuna in a casket match and then he's off for seven months for a back injury which is just like you know if you're gonna be booked out to lose your own like dream match is kind of a good reset right like you could see why somebody would hide in sulk and shame when losing to a sumo wrestler in your profession
1: think about the time dude what year was that 94 was the end of 94 94 right yeah yeah Yeah. 94 that was the royal rumble yeah exactly yeah, dude, it took not just Yokozuna with Mr. Fuji cheating, but it took like every heel at the time on the roster, like Bigelow, the head shrinkers. I'm picturing, oh no, Jarrett was in the rematch. Never mind. Yeah. It, with, with Walker, Texas Ranger. I'm sure you want to talk about that. But oh, dude, yeah. like it took, it took every heel on the roster. I had one of those black boxes where we would get like the pay-per-views. Oh yeah. The- and Spice Channel. Come on, dog. I know what's up. Dude, dude, come on, man. That's The statute of of limitations is passed. Let's talk about it. (laughs) <laughs> so the black boxes were sweet oh dude big big fan of luke's peep show <laughs> so <laughs> so i had like a couple friends over and i'm like crying and i'm like no no what is happening no like he was taking every single move every finisher and then when he couldn't sit up all the way that's when like the waterworks hit and they dragged him in the casket and i remember like i remember hating bam bam bigelow so much because like He like jumped on the, on the lid, slammed it shut. But then, like, just so awesome with the smoke coming out, Undertaker popping up on the screen, cutting one of the coolest promos ever, where he even talks about having an origin which cannot be explained. And then rising up through the TV and like Gene Simmons, God of Thunder, over top of the crowd. Like, oh, yeah. It gave me hope as a kid. It's like they just killed the Undertaker. The Undertaker is fucking dead. Like, my life's over. But then, like, he rose from The TV. It was confusing because I'm like, all right, so is he like a like is this like shocker where he's jumping from like TVs and oh, shit yeah, like right? yeah like is this going to be this new thing is he like I thought they were going to do a thing like where Undertaker was kind of constantly like pop up in TVs but then like this is obviously before the ring but like come through the TV I really <laughs> like, like
0: that idea that works a hell of a lot better than Hogan yelling at himself in a mirror
1: yeah but like at the, like think about it like it's a backstage segment like you know they have like a TV and then like the TV turns on guys are still talking and they look they're like what what look and like takers on the tv and then the lights in the locker room go out and you just hear like bang 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 lights go back on there's bodies i mean it's kind of dumb actually now i'm talking about it no it's not i love it (laughs) when i was like 10 when this happened when this came out like that's i was going through my head but then of course leslie nielsen saved the day
0: by all means
1: yes leslie nielsen that's all it took right to get us to get us our undertaker back do you want to go into it I would love to. I would absolutely love to. So Undertaker is gone during this time. Now, what happened first? Was it the Fake Taker, right? At WrestleMania 10, that's when Brian Lee, his
0: real-life cousin, becomes fake, under Faker, re- released by Ted DiBiase. Oh,
1: God. But I like that it was full circle. Ted DiBiase was the one to do it. That right. was a cool story. It's just like, don't insult our intelligence. The Like the commentators, like... Oh, no, no, that's the undertaker. I know it and the uh, no, that's not the undertaker. look at him. That's not him. Taker's taller like. It's like, come on, guys. This is, I I understand, like kids watch the show, but at the same time, Doink the Clown was doing the illusion thing with another guy dressed just like him. And we're supposed to be like, oh, it's a magic trick. Like, come on. I love old Doink, though, man.
0: But keep going. Sorry.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So the the Fake Taker is doing his thing. Primetime Brian Lee. This is after his feud with Tommy Dreamer or before his feud with Tommy Dreamer? Oh, my Jesus. timeline's
0: a little, my timeline is a little hazy here. I've, I want to say before, but I might. I think I'm okay.
1: After this, he went to ECW. Yeah, I'm like fairly certain of that. Okay, okay, okay. All right. So the fake Undertaker. He's he's doing the rampage thing with Ted DiBiase. And was it did Paul Bearer employ Leslie Nielsen of Naked Gun fame to find the real Undertaker? Yep. Those segments were. It was great because it's Leslie Nielsen. But why would you? Why would you do that with the with this gimmick? This is my theory behind it. How are you going to root against
0: Leslie Nielsen, right? You
1: can't root against Leslie Nielsen. So no.
0: basically you're guaranteeing that this is going to be a baby face bit, right? You're going to, you're instantly ingratiated and it's a clear delineation. You associate DiBiase with the faker, bad. You associate Undertaker, who is a minimal speaker with Leslie Nielsen. Good. I truly think it's that simple. It goes back to like, you know, Return of the Jedi. Lucas talked to child psychologists who are like, no, you Yoda needs to fucking say that Darth Vader's the daddy because otherwise he's going to think it's a lie. It's almost like you're like taking the shine from Leslie being like, we got credentials. He's a good dude. So that means Taker's a good dude. This is the good dude Taker. The other one's (laughs) a bad dude Taker.
1: Yeah. All right. All right. I dig it. It's a terrible. I don't know. I don't think that much thought went into it. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's. That's a, that's a good way of thinking about it. This is at also
0: it. the era where the Ultimate Warrior leaked oil out of his hairline. So I could be totally wrong. <laughs> It was a weird time, man. Yeah, those times were wild. So he ends Just up goofy shit. He fights the under faker at SummerSlam. He lets everybody know I'm the fucking guy and
1: I'm he the real thing. Yeah, he's like, check this out, man. I'm traded in those the gray gimmicks for these sexy purple ones. Mm-hmm.
0: And then yeah. he's back, right? Oh for yeah, three months, and then goes out with another major injury because Mabel broke his fucking face.
1: Yeah, that's right. Oh God, damn. I don't that was on understand.
0: Monday, yeah, how did Mabel yeah. have a career? He was an unsafe worker.
1: He was unsightly. I mean, what? yeah yeah mabel uh mabel hurt a lot of guys not just taker he uh he hurt kevin nash in their one one match they had because that feud was awful nash still talks about it with like venom
0: in his voice when you say like you know because mabel was doing a move at the time where he would literally just fall from standing and sit on someone's lower back and uh, allegedly nash was like don't you fucking do that to me i'm telling you now do not do that and he did it and he was like sorry kid it's over
1: (laughs) Dude, like think about all these guys that have somebody like that one person that took years off their career. Oh, that one that one unsafe person and going into something knowing that they're unsafe. And then like it's unfortunate, man. It really is. Like like, look at draws and D'Lo. D'Lo never had a reputation
0: for being terrible. That's a fluke where you're like, okay. And you look at after that D'Lo didn't maim anybody. It's easy to give him a pass. But a guy like fucking Mabel, you're like, I have a really hard time giving you that same pass. Yes
1: yeah yeah i i agree it's one thing to work snug and then it's another thing just to be reckless and honestly i don't resent people like vader as much if
0: you want to work snug that's part of the gimmick that's what you're getting into he was always willing to take a receipt if you work reckless that's what bothers me more because you can't plan for
1: reckless yeah vader was one of those guys where he will call he will club 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 and club the holy hell out of you but the moment you you stiff him back he would lighten up yep but i know know when Vader was after his his run what he was doing like the indies he, man, he jaw a lot of guys on the Indies and dude guys on the Indies, like they're not going to fight back. Uh, they're, they're not going to swing back on Vader. And especially at that point in Vader's career, he's not going to take any offense. Yeah. So Vader for his last few years, just brutalized mm-hmm. a bunch of people in the Indies But you know, I've
0: seen some people come out in defense of him. Like Will Ospreay had famously been like, Hey, like this guy's fucked. Like this was fucked. And the guy who was actually in the video was like, he was really like safe and good to me but that was just my experience but I, I totally see what you're saying because you know it's just like yeah when guys get to the indies it's the wild west like Nash just decided to lose because he didn't want to get hurt and he wasn't going to hurt his back lifting people which is hilarious yeah yeah
1: man <laughs> so you think about like a match like that with Mabel took some years off of Nash's career easily yeah and you know it took time out of undertaker's career getting his face broken with uh what was that a leg drop yeah and it's right in the orbital and
0: so he returns at survivor series and one of the gimmicks for survivor series is them saying hey you know you get to see the the unveiled undertaker oh he's so hideous and then he wore a mask and people were like well what's under (laughs) the mask though come on (laughs)
1: Remember when Bret Hart took it off?
0: Yeah, I do, actually. Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah. Undertaker is very, very good at emoting and Bret ripping that mask off him. And dude, Taker's face was just terrifying. Did you know this wasn't the only time he broke his orbital? I wasn't aware of that, but I'm not surprised. Ray Mysterio
0: Jr. actually did. So one of the reasons that Ray started wearing the baggy pants was because he was wearing knee braces. Very similar to like those at Stone Cold War because he didn't oh, get Sean knee Michael. surgery. Yeah, exactly. He, You know, he had needed surgery multiple times in WCW. Didn't do it because he yep. was young and bulletproof. And then he got older and he's like, oh, my knees. And so when he was going for a Hurricane Rana, clip taker right in the eyebrow and Oof. fucked up his orbital. Oh, oh, that's awful. And then so I have a question. Taker was getting into a feud with Diesel at one point, right? And yeah. he pulls Diesel under the ring in a cage yeah. <laughs> match. Doesn't Diesel win the match if he escapes the ring? What constitutes the ring? Is it the planar surface of the ring itself? Because I would contest
1: Diesel won, man. Uh, I don't know because I think the rules clearly state you have to walk through the door or up and over in the cage uh, okay. to hit the floor. I don't think the rules have anything about going through the ring. And it's like, if you go through the ring, And crawl out to the floor. Do you win then? Because then you're going to have like a character
0: who's like the miner from My Bloody Valentine. is like, I'm working in a coal mine, going downtown and out and under. Man, I'm here for it. But I mean, you got to love the juxtaposition of Bret Hart being like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) it's just so good. Yeah, right. And so from there, he starts his Mankind feud, which everybody knows. (sighs) Oh.
1: Oh, my God. Having Mankind, it was Mankind. Dude, those Monday Night Raw shows were sweet because they were on like that small venue. And having somebody attack Undertaker like that, and I think it was at that time. So in the match, it didn't dawn on me. Keep in mind, dude, I was young at the time. The match didn't dawn on me, but when he attacked the Undertaker and he was laying those elbow drops on him, I was like, holy shit, that's Cactus Jack. Yeah. Yeah, I was embarrassed that it took me that long to figure it out. but And well, I would love to do a career
0: or an episode like a career retrospective on Mick Foley because that dude, how he makes it again, it's the same exact thing with Mick. like you could put any dumbass in this mask, not going to work as well as Mick Foley you talking yep, about yep. eating worms with Jim Ross makes that character. Otherwise, it's just some flippant. I mean, how many times have we seen the blathering idiot who's vicious? You goes all George the Animal Steel, for Christ's sake. But Mick Foley was able to emote evoke sympathy be aggressive be intimidating without being physically imposing like that dude rules and they're like we can go straight to the fucking hell in the cell that's the stuff of
1: legend you also have to realize that at this time the amount of freedom that these wrestlers had the amount of freedom that they had when they were cutting their promos and talking to a guy like Vince Russo about their character, everyone had a lot of control at that time. Now everything is so scripted and everything has to be word for word that if it was this day and age and Mick Foley just went to WWE and became mankind, it wouldn't work now because that whole character was him. It was organic all of his promos and every, when he found out he was having this mankind character, they were going to cover his whole face in like that quiet riot mental health mask. Yep. And he, he was like, no, give show some of my face. I need like facial expressions. Like, and they allowed it and they, they listened to him nowadays, dude, that doesn't happen now for sure. Yeah. Unfortunately. So you, you go from the boiler room match, you end up. Yeah. Dude, that real, that boiler room brawl is one of my favorite, my all-time favorite match is 1989 Clash of the Champions, Terry Funk, Ric Flair, and an I Quit match. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was on TBS. I watched it late at night like as it aired, and then years later, like getting Ric Flair's best of DVD, and I'm like, this is the fucking match. This is it. This is it. Like I would tell everyone about this match. And I think at one point I had it on like beta. But I mean that that's not gonna go into the 90s. But okay, so my like one of my like top 10 matches is that Boiler and Brawl. Yeah. I love everything about it. It was so good. And the fact that the Undertaker, he had a a severe staph infection in his elbow that the trainer they were wrapping his arm so tight pulling it so snug to like keep keep everything like like together it popped and it shot i guess like clear across a room with just like a big line of pus like uh. something out of like yeah dude like something out of slither could you just imagine like you're just like in catering and like you just get blasted with Aww. undertaker elbow pus uh. That's a finishing <laughs> move though. There's some there's some magic there for sure. And then you had the ultimate betrayal.
0: Percy but fucking Pringle. The ultimate
1: betrayal. Paul Bearer turned his back on the Undertaker in that match. That whole match there was so much drama in it. And like to see the Undertaker lose and that was just so rare, too, at the time. Oh, yeah. Well, and then you end up getting the Buried Alive match
0: where oh. Taker wins the match, but then loses when the Executioner and Vader get involved. And that's when Vader was intimidating in WWF. <laughs> you know, and then you ends up with... the. Uh, I guess we'd have to skip over Kane to get to him to the Hell in the Cell itself, but blah blah. Maybe a one day I'll do a retrospective on Kane, but Bad Blood in your house yeah. in 1997, Kane debuts, rips the cage door off, Tombstones, Taker,
1: boom. How that... good was that match, though? Oh, it's beautiful, I mean, dude. Any time you had Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker in a match, yeah. even when these two weren't weren't healthy, they put on like a clinic. Yeah, Sean's Phenomenal. back was already Everything garbage was, by this point, yep. for sure. Yeah, it, it, that match was
0: beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I remember when they did their first WrestleMania of the 25 and 26 where people were like, but why? Like, they're not feuding at all. Like, nothing leads up to this. I'm like, did you just, like,
1: not see the 90s? Like, that? Like, yep. these guys were it. Yeah, yeah, dude. And like back on that Hell in the Cell match, that match was designed to punish Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels was the ultimate heel at this time. I remember everyone fucking hated Michaels. Like, but it was weird because like you loved the shit he was doing, but you hated him at the same time. And him beating Undertaker like that, oh my God, phenomenal. That era was booked really well absolutely not
0: just like the vignettes because a lot of people remember those things but like the actual matches the storytelling was very evocative and you go from that taker ends up getting his revenge at the inferno match then you go from there king of the ring hell in the cell, Mick Foley flying off the top, getting choke slammed through the top. I mean, Jesus Christ, dude. That it, Beyond the Mat does an incredible job of detailing
1: what oh, Foley's yeah. life
0: was. And then, you know, if Super you've never seen bummed
1: it. bummed out. Like, it, that was in Pittsburgh, PA. That's an hour and a half from where I grew up. And I had friends that went and I don't remember why I didn't go but I, I I don't know if I just like wasn't allowed or I just didn't get a ticket in time I can't remember but like man I could have been there for that
0: <laughs> honestly though feel like your parents why didn't allow you to go and I feel like this is the one time we can go like, yeah my parents were right to censor me because I, I don't know how you could watch that as a kid and not be like that's burned into my brain forever like I bet everybody who was there under 12 was like yep I'm a little bit afraid of heights now
1: forever dude I was uh, at this Point. I was doing the backyard wrestling stuff. I probably would have tried to jump off the roof or something. Oh Jesus, little yeah.
0: Jeff Hardy Jr. <laughs> so from there, basically, there's a lot of back and forth when it comes to him teaming with Austin against Kane and Mankind. The team of Kane and Mankind, it's fine, but then he didn't like
1: it. Oh, that was weird. Honestly, no, the, no, no. the team of
0: Kane and X-Pac makes more sense to me than the team of Kane and Mankind, but we can get into that later. Yeah. So then you get the Ministry of Darkness, which starts off rad and
1: ends terrible. Well, yeah, you know, it did. It was at, before the Ministry of Darkness. You mentioned a feud with, feud with Austin. Dude, I want to talk about that Summer Slam match. Oh, please. Yeah. I cannot remember a time where there was so much buildup for a main event. They had ACDC Highway to Hell. They got the... You know how much that probably cost them to, for just this one single match? And they were building it Highway to Hell. Like, yes, it was SummerSlam, but it was all about Highway to Hell. And also, dude, that SummerSlam was incredible. Dude, like it, that Ladder match with Triple H and The Rock was so freaking good. Super underrated uh, match. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And, like you had the like the insane clown posse were on the show. Like it was that main event. Dude, I remember being so hyped, so hyped. Like this is like the first time ever. You got like The Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is going to be the best fucking match. And then watching it fall apart and like a delirious Steve like visibly delirious and then Undertaker clearly like is fucked up too like I've never been so disappointed in a match and like it was freak things happen you know it sucks But like, you know, alternate dimensions somewhere that match is considered one of the greatest matches of all time.
0: Yeah, the conspiracy where they're in cahoots with Vince and all that shit is just not a
1: fan. Oh Yeah, but anyway, that that match itself. I just I just wanted it to be like, I I, I hate that. Sorry. Go ahead. No,
0: it's completely. I mean, it's a very valid approach to it where that's one of the things with wrestling, though, is if you don't get disappointed, you can't like you need those failures. And it's such a weird thing to like knowingly plan a failure. And I don't like with this one, I don't think it was as planned as you would like to be able to give it credit for, you know, it, it, you didn't, it felt like the air kind of got sucked out of the room in that event, as opposed to like, oh, this was yeah. planned to be a dour note, you know, this isn't the end of WrestleMania 17. You know what I mean? Like, that's a planned <laughs> catastrophe. This is just like, nah. Yeah. Right. So from there, the ministry comes into a plex. Do you want to touch on the ministry? Because it ends up so bad. I almost just kind of want to go straight to the American badass.
1: Uh, dude, I like that Undertaker kind of reinvented himself and became like a goth, goth priest, like eyes wide shut. I, I don't even know what to call him, like cult leader. He fucking crucified. Uh, Austin. That and was some, cool. It's so bad. Dude, rad. that was cool. That was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. But the, it, the ministry like started with Undertaker kidnapping Stephanie. Where to, Stephanie? They have a limo. Yeah,
0: like that was kind of weird. You had Viscera, you had Midian, you had the brood involved. I mean, it, it was everything right. The Acolytes. Yeah, dude, right? when Before they were the APA even. And the trick is, I don't mind that it was me, Austin. It was me all along because Basically, for those of you who don't know, what happens is there's this whole war where the ministry goes up against Vince McMahon and his posse called the corporation. And then it's revealed that Vince McMahon was secretly the quote unquote higher power that The Undertaker kept referring to. The fix, I think, is relatively easy because as it stands, you basically have to concede that wrestling is fake because if you are fighting your boss... And you are not hurting him. You, It is fake. And if it looks just as real as everything else, that means that everything is thereby fake. So the workaround is simply that Undertaker did not know the higher power was Vince McMahon. You do a Wizard of Oz where he was praying to an altar and the fucking (laughs) radio had Vince's voice. And then you get to have the best of both worlds. But obviously, I had 20 years to think about that after the fact.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I never really thought of it like that. I'm just glad it happened because we all get to do the whole like, it was me, dude. Uh, You know, so... I remember like the rumor was it was supposed to be Ted DiBiase. Huh. I would really have liked that idea. Yeah. uh, That was the rumor. And then do you remember Eric Bischoff spoiled that?
0: Really? I don't remember that, which is weird because I was entrenched in WCW at the time
1: he was like oh yeah and if you want to click over to the others the other guys just to let you know that higher power is Vince McMahon wow here's the thing that show wasn't taped Eric Bischoff guessed it what Yep. amazing Eric Bischoff straight up guessed it or he had a tip from guess, Vince I, Russo who was going to be waddling his buns over to WCW any day <laughs> something something happened I I don't think you're that smart to just be like it's definitely Vince I think somebody probably told him
0: yeah I feel like there's just a little bit of chicanery going on there so yeah. he goes you know the ministry of darkness taker up until the corporate stuff was working he was an established character an established brand it had worked for over a decade at this point point. and then he's like you know what i'm just gonna do the exact opposite and suddenly i'm gonna be a motorcycle man And it became the American badass and unveiled on June 30th, 2000, a new finishing move, aside from the chokeslam, aside from the tombstone. It was the last ride. You, a pro wrestler, is there any move that doesn't involve a superplex that scares you as much as like a legitimate last
1: ride? I was actually just going to say that the last ride is a terrifying, terrifying, terrifying move. The worst idea ever. (laughs) Yeah, a big dude is an ROH right now. Shane Taylor gave me a last ride and it is fucking terrifying. It's a completely different dynamic. So for those of you don't know, a power
0: bomb is where you hoist someone up. You would have them like you would do a pile driver. They effectively sit on your chest and depending what version you do, you either drop them. You either fall sitting with them. But what Undertaker would do was take his hands, hoist the person up as high as he could physically hold them and slam them down. And there's no good way to do that. There's no support. There's nothing like if you watch Batista, he's able to at least diffuse some of the energy by putting his legs on the side of the person and, you know, creating a wider base.
1: (laughs) This is just die, fool. Oh yeah, dude, it's 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 a scary bump. It definitely is, and taking it from somebody as strong as Shane Taylor, it did not feel good at all. But yeah, t- I mean, Shane was, is not as tall as the Undertaker, so I can only imagine what that's like. No dice. And so
0: it, it's really interesting because in the history of the Undertaker stuff, I was reading, people seem to very specifically delineate the American badass and Big Evil. Do you care about that distinction? Because both of them are motorcycle taker and. I think they're
1: two different. You do? Okay. Yeah, so I think yeah. I think uh Ameri- I think American Badass was like kind of like the, the the face comeback taker and stuff coming out like all like like rock star stuff like that. Big evil is like the more methodical slower undertaker that's like fair. yeah still still come to the ring with the motorcycle and stuff but he had like that little bit more of an intimidation factor for sure I'll make you famous I remember that it's almost like he was talking like Jake Roberts he was never oh. he never raised a taker would never raise his voice and I think that's scarier so I think big evil and American badass are different American badass is that guy that shows up at the tailgate thing and everyone's happy to see Big Evil when he shows up, everyone's like, Oh, this fucking guy. Your butthole gets a little yeah. bit tighter. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Oh, fuck who invited him?
0: Keep the whiskey away. Because I always thought of like the Big Evil version as like the perfection of that character, right? This is this, okay. the, where I always looked at the American badass is kind of a rough draft, you know? Yeah. He's yeah, just yeah, yeah. a guy, and maybe, you know, he's obviously talking for the first time in a lot of ways in a very different way than he was literally just talking. So if it was yep. just kind of like, OK. And the stuff I liked during that era was like the Brothers of Destruction. He did some cool stuff in the invasion where he was basically the champion of the WWF locker room.
1: So I will never... started doing snake eyes, too, right? Yeah. And yeah, so he would do the he would do the snake eyes into the big boot. And he... Is that when he started doing that. Yeah, exactly. And I'll never
0: forget during the invasion. He does the line. There's no shame in going out there and getting your ass kicked. There's no pride in not fighting at all. And so he had this, like, kind of gritty, no pomp and circumstance. We're not going to have an altar. We're not going to sacrifice any virgins. We're just going to go whoop some ass. But then yeah. with Big Evil, that era is like, I am going to kill everyone. I will make it slow and grimy. Like, that match he had with Jeff Hardy, the ladder match, that match is super fun to watch if you want, like, it's a great. clinic in, like, changing the, like, the method upon which you do your wrestling.
1: It was, that match really told a story, and it put Jeff Hardy over In a big way. And it also made it made Hardy look strong. And of course, Undertaker like getting killed in the match and still coming out made him and winning made him look strong too. It was just an incredibly booked match. It was Rocky 1. yeah, yeah, yeah. It told a story and Taker coming back to whoop his ass some more, but then just helping him up and giving him a pat, like all right, kid, all right. It kind of it's obviously this whole character really humanized Undertaker, but a moment like that, like even more so, like it's like okay, this is Undertaker is just like a guy right now. He's a Dude, he's just, a, but he's a bad dude. Yeah, that's the thing because I don't. I think people misconstrue.
0: I don't take him in that era as like just a heel. I take him as he's a badass
1: dude. Like it's his version of Stone Cold, right? Where it's like I take, dude. I I gotta tell you, I think this was the biggest heel at the t- at the time. Like really? Other than like Triple, other than like Triple H. Yeah. Dude, all right, let's take a second talk about the heel turn. Vince McMahon is trying to get Jim Ross to join the Kiss My Ass Club. Oh God. Yeah, no, you're right. Who comes who comes to save the day? The American badass. Jim Ross is so happy to see him. His fellow Texan, his buddy, you know, somebody that I've I've known for i hell, I've known for years. And Taker comes in and he starts cutting a promo and it's he's talking but it's it's weird. Like Jim Ross is agreeing with him and he's saying stuff like, Hell, I've been kissing his ass for years. And you're and saying like, you're better than me. Yeah. Oh my god. And then just needle off the record the room went silent uh, and then like a really just really really pissed off undertaker standing there but with Vince McMahon holding Jim Ross's cowboy hat and prancing around with Vince's ass hanging out like that whole scene was just so weird and so unnerving and it's it's not very often where like heel turns or face turns are like that effective and that big and that dude like Jim Ross is like so fucking vulnerable at this point too so that made it even like it just made it so much dirtier
0: oh yeah this is after like a third bout of Bell's palsy according to his biography it's pretty dark yes
1: yeah exactly man so that like Undertaker was just like on, on a rampage at that time he was just a bully and it was just because he was a big dude he, he big evil is the perfect the perfect, you know, nickname for him. Remember when he fucked Tommy Dreamer up? That's what uh Taker was doing the uh, uh fold unfold the chair, put your head in, Crush throw it. you in the post, right? Yep. Yeah. Oh man, that was that was dirty.
0: Okay, I'll concede that is probably his best era of being evil. I completely forgot about the Ross. I just read that biography a couple weeks ago, but he ends up going back to being the dead man. This era is going. It's a kind of a fusion of both. He unveils the Hell's Gate, which is the go go plata. and it's basically for all intents and purposes. This is the character until he gets almost to the point of retirement and then he goes kind of back to big evil and then it's over. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God he ended like that. I really like that he doesn't end with just being the original that he ends kind of going back to like a re a form of a reinvention,
1: like, dude it was having the dead man on like the, the dead man come back I actually hated it Yeah, uh, it was that was uh, his feud with McMahon where he busted Vince open with the opening shot right yep. yeah because Vince anytime Vince would gig, he would like really carve into his head because Gross. he didn't care how much he bled. It's him. Yeah. yeah. I remember that match being a lot of fun to watch, you know, but then of course, Oh shit. Undertaker died again. All yep. right. When are we going to see him again? And he comes back. At, what was that? WrestleMania? B-b-b-b-b-b-b- Was that 20?
0: Well, here, actually, do you want to get into the streak? Because I think this is a good way to kind of go. Because really, the only thing that's relevant after the dead man comes back is that the streak ends. So you want to start at streak one? Yeah, sure, sure. So he starts off his first WrestleMania, March 24th, 1991, is WrestleMania 7. He beats Snooka. Eight, he beats Jake the Snake. Nine, he beats Giant Gonzalez. Eleven, he beats King Kong Bundy. And that is where Kama steals his urn and turns it into a gold necklace. Dude,
1: wow. hold on a second. I Earlier in the episode, I totally said Mabel. And I in my head, I knew it was Kama. And I know people are going to, when they're listening, they're going to be screaming and going, it was Kama, you idiot. That's and, the great yes, thing about okay. horror
0: and wrestling fans. It's like the same type of person who are like, hey, I hate yep. you because you're not as smart as you think you are. And I'm like, I just gave you 50 facts without issue. Do you, do you kindly <laughs> mind? Yep. At WrestleMania 12, he beats Diesel. 13, Psycho Sid. 14, Kane, 15, Boss Man. 17, Triple H. That match was weird. does mm, doesn't fit. That match That match was weird. 18, Ric Flair, uh, 19. This is where his tag team partner, Nathan Jones, is so fucking terrible, they take him out of the match and make it a handicap match because he was that bad.
1: Dude, I tell you what though, Nathan Jones in those horror movies is really doing it for me. Like Boar? Yeah, dude. I love Boar and I love Charlie's Farm. Oh, yeah. Then you get to Kane
0: at Wrestlemania 20 that's 20 okay makes no sense because they were like tagging and then they stopped tagging and they started tagging again right after and it's just like a filler you had 21 made sense because that's Randy Orton and he was doing his whole legend killer gimmick and that's where that's when it kind of took off right that's when like exactly that's where I felt like okay This whole gimmick of the streak means so much because it felt like that was more than a title to Randy. Right. This is my life goal at this point. The legend killer. Yeah. Everyone thought it was going to be him, too. Yeah. But then they were super wrong because he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, a bunch of other matches after it. (laughs) So the next year was Mark Henry at 22. I enjoyed that match. Well, people said that Henry was supposed to win it originally, and they changed it. Then you had Batista at 23, Edge at 24, HBK at 25, and again at 26, Triple H at 27, and again at 28, CM Punk at 29. We get to the final, the loss at WrestleMania 30. That is some of the best reaction gift material I've ever seen oh yeah man how did you feel about it it's just a shame that it was brock in my opinion because brock was already intimidating it didn't do enough for brock where it could have like for instance if it was mark henry or batista that takes that guy to that next level but brock booked from day
1: one has been intimidating and also dude there was like there was just like no build-up to it yeah they had a contract signing and take her choke slamming through a table and like stabbed him with a pen or some shit and then that was it like it was almost like it reminded me of Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin going into Mania. They had no buildup. Austin wasn't feuding with Shawn Michaels. Austin was feuding with Vince McMahon. Yeah, so it was it was very weird, and it was like the only video footage that they had going into that Mania was the "This is it, this is it" Austin when he had Austin tying the ropes, holding the belt in his face, and it was the same thing with Lesnar and Taker. I think they went back to like early when the, with Lesnar's first run with like some, some footage from the, the matches then, but I, I might be mistaken, but like yeah. like for build-up though, build-up wise all you had was that one, one segment of uh, the chokeslam through the table. I, I just, I think it was I think it was, everything was very rushed Well,
0: booking Lesnar since his return has basically been autopilot of Lesnar is unbeatable until he is beaten and Paul Heyman just says the same. I mean, it's been
1: very rote for a long time with Lesnar. I mean, Lesnar is is the last great heel, but it's, it's also so weird. Like Lesnar is that, you know, he's a side scroller arcade game and he's finally like the boss, the boss that like, you're like ready to beat. And he starts flashing pink and you're then fed. starts flashing red. And it's like, okay, he's going to die. He's going to die. But then you end up dying and you have to keep popping quarters in to like, yep. go back and like beat him. Yeah. And then eventually you do. That's like Lesnar, man. It's just, it's weird.
0: Yeah. And if it, if it's not going to be the end of your career, that was another thing that made it just feel odd. The fact that he did six more WrestleManias after it was just like, eh? Yeah, it's like, where do you go from here? What's, what's the point? because then why doesn't he just keep losing like the next year he creams Bray Wyatt okay well that's the new spooky guy you know if if Lesnar's the new big guy who's intimidating why not go to the new spooky guy right Bray, Bray
1: Wyatt had a broken ankle in that match I remember so that had a lot to do with it being one-sided yeah I did like this stuff with Cena that was cool yeah I don't mind that at all I think that, I thought that the, was cool the, the Cena idea
0: yeah. worked way better than I thought it should have because he goes after Wyatt is Shane McMahon makes no sense hey It loses to Roman Reigns. Hate it. Like, I feel like the girls from Mean Girls like, stop making Roman a thing. It's not going to be a thing. You know, I don't think that he's a bad performer. I think he has tons of potential. I think that you need a hard reset, and the way that you do that, in my opinion, is doing a good heel turn or a good gimmick change. And he's still going to wear his bulletproof vest, the same bulletproof vest that everybody made fun of D'Lo Brown for twenty years ago. You know, he's still
1: going to yeah, do it. Uh, yeah, but it's it's also it's this it's the Cena thing. They'll never turn him heel because of sales. Yep, kids like dude, kids love him.
0: And then it goes to Cena, and I think the Cena gimmick worked really well. It was a very interesting idea. And both guys are basically in the same position in their careers, which is hilarious to think that, you know, by the time C- Cena comes into the WWF, you have an 11-year WWF veteran in Undertaker. And yet somehow their career still converged in such a nice
1: way. Yeah. Yeah, man, that was great. Going back a little bit, uh, I want to say... This 29 Undertaker and Punk. Yep. That is one of Undertaker's most disappointing performances at a mania. That was very, and, and same thing with Punk. Punk was like, if you go back and rewatch that, Punk was like really bloated and he was really hurt at the time. And, it was like he he kind of did that Shawn Michaels Hulk Hogan SummerSlam thing where Michaels made Hogan look stupid. Punk was like trying to over over he wasn't overselling, he was like overworking. It was hard to watch and it was it, it see it looked like it was kind of shitty on Punk's part. It was awkward.
0: I remember it very well. He, There's the where he's doing what did he call it the cobra clutch? What was he it wasn't a cobra clutch.
1: Yeah, yeah, the uh that cobra clutch looking move yeah i forgot what he called it too
0: like it's like an arm a modified arm triangle for our jujitsu fans and it like it, to, there's a the part where taker's just like ah! in his face and i was like this yeah. just feels like two guys like i felt like i was watching two people pretend to be undertaker and punk
1: <laughs> yeah so. yeah that's yeah it was weird i was there for that too oh that must have been awkward <laughs> that was a bad mania. But we That's finished
0: it. on a, something of a high note because his match with AJ Styles at 36 is very widely accredited
1: to be like one of the best, if not the
0: best, cinematic wrestling matches of all time.
1: It was very fun. Very, very fun. That was a lot of fun to watch. And the replay value is perfect. Yeah. I mean, I I, I, I feel bad for, uh, for my dudes, uh, uh, Anderson and Gallows, though, who <laughs> that, right after that lost their jobs. And basically but, in canon, they are murdered by Undertaker. Yeah, that's what happened, man. Taker actually killed them. AJ survived, but
0: <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because if you stop watching wrestling, you know, let's say your guy is done and that's done, and you don't watch anymore, it's a very interesting ending. I think it works really well because as I was watching it, the stuff was like, "What's my wife's name?" Blah. I was like, "This feels like a cheap episode of Sons of Anarchy." But then, you know, as you watch it, you like, kind of realize the narrative it worked as its own thing and it was just kind of not the ending of him driving off is the end of his career. It is not the match. And I think that was the coolest part was you guys took the care to make sure it wasn't just him standing over a grave. It wasn't just him standing with a spooky light. It was that like white snake here. I go again on my own
1: kind of a thing. Yep. Yeah, dude it, was, dude, it was perfect. Little. Uh, do you mind if I do a little segue uh, for AJ AJ Styles here? Sure. AJ is one of the best wrestlers of all time. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a he's a phen- phenomenal. phenomenal performer. So AJ is also extremely Christian. Yeah. So we're which you gotta love when he ends
0: up in an adulterous storyline in TNA. What the hell was that? But keep going.
1: Yeah, man. So <laughs> yeah. So Bill Barron's is kind of like a handler for a lot of guys like on the indies, like TNA guys and stuff. And like 12, 13 years ago, we had a little bit more of a handle on like guys like Saban, Daniels, AJ, and then some indie guys, not me, but my friend John McChesney. I remember we were down south somewhere in Pennsylvania. We were on a show with AJ. Get a we got a hotel room and John and his girl his girlfriend was with us at the time and they got a room together. I had my own and I remember like AJ called the the agent Bill Barrons that like represented everyone and was like uh, I don't want this girl sleeping alone with John McChesney in his room. They're not married. So Bill had to call the front desk to get her, her own room because AJ was uncomfortable with them sleeping together. What? Yeah. yeah, like what a weirdo, dude. How do
0: you end up in this industry with men in briefs and baby oil and you're
1: that rigid? Yeah, right? I, Dude, I, I mean whatever your, your religious beliefs are yours don't push them on anyone else so that's so weird yeah yeah seriously what a what a weird what a weird like thing to happen and what a weird person
0: Yeah, that makes me uncomfortable. And then also to hang out with guys like Anderson and Gallows, who like, I mean, they call him Sex Anderson for fuck's sake.
1: (laughs) Anderson's a good dude. Yeah, I know. And uh, I, yeah, I I, I have a a Gallows story I'm not going to tell on air. (laughs) I'm excited for it after. All right. (laughs) So
0: a couple little interesting facts about Taker as we wind down. He has the Bone Street uh, crew tattoo on his stomach, the BSK. Which, weirdly enough, is... Yokozuno, Savio Vega, Charles Wright, who you might know as The Godfather or yep. Baba Shango, the Godwins, and Rikishi. That is a weird right? lineup for a like blood-in wrestling
1: gang. Dude, wasn't that like his wedding party too? Yep. <laughs> well, his second wife, which was Sarah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was that one. Sarah. Yeah, yeah uh. man. Dude, like he loved Yoko. Yeah, Yoko was his dude, but like, what a oh man, what a shame about Yokozuna. Yokozuna was such a good wrestler. So fun. and his his heel title run was so good. Oh man, I loved Yoko. I, he was
0: he was a transcendent superstar, which is crazy. Like the amount of people who knew who
1: Yoko Zuno was, who never watched yep. wrestling. Was amazing. Yeah, man. My friend Barry Hardy. He's a, a real old time wrestler. There, there were like what five jobbers at the time. There was like Barry Horowitz, B- Brooklyn Brawler. Oh God, I, I can't think of the other guy's name. But uh, Barry, uh, Barry Hardy was one of them, and Dwayne Gill.
0: Oh, there you go, Gilbert. So, yeah,
1: yeah. So Dwayne, Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy. They were they were doing like an executioners thing together, but they were booked singles as jobbers a lot. And then they had they were the the teenage mutant. In of turtles. I don't oh, know if you've seen that. that lasted viral video like one yet. day. Yeah, yeah. That was Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy. So Barry Hardy never had like a contract. If, if anyone's curious what Barry Hardy looks like, play the movie Natural Born Killers, and you know, the the scene where rodney dangerfield where they do the, the yes yeah. jesus christ for everyone uh for the listeners right now it is 1 18 in the morning my time and i am exhausted so i'm gonna forget shit rodney dangerfield's watching wrestling and he's going what am i watching kill the fucking indian that's barry hardy beating up tatanga so barry hardy like made it to a movie
0: also if you don't know barry hardy is the tiger king template one He
1: has the exact same haircut for a vast majority of his career. He's not in on the joke. (sighs) Barry Hardy is not okay with this, but anyways, so Barry Hardy and Dwayne Gill, they had like one of those big giant party pizzas, and I guess Mr. Perfect was in the room hanging out with them. Mr. Perfect got along with Barry Hardy, and like Yoko just like swings the door open, walks in, and he's like, "What, motherfuckers?" And because uh, Yoko was the man at the time, like he's your top dog. He had the title, he could do whatever the fuck he wanted. He was he's the top paid guy. When you have that belt, you make the most money, and so Barry's like. There's some pizza there if you want some and it was like brand new like fresh like one or two slices were gone. Yoko walks up and goes, "Thanks man, I'll grab a slice." He takes the pizza, folds it in half, folds it again, no. scooped it up like scooped it up like a burrito and walked away with it. <laughs> God. That's amazing. And now, we, of course, we all know Yokozuna's dead because he ate a lot. He ate food. himself to death. Yeah. Yes. Just like Pizza the Hut. Or just like Gluttony from Seven. Yeah. There you go.
0: Yeah. I'm bringing it back to horror because I yeah But <laughs> weird thing. Taker was in JBL's wedding. Which is weird. Yes, I feel no, like it's not. they're
1: both Texans. Both, both Texans. Texans have a thing, dude.
0: Yeah, my the reason I think it's weird is because like they're very, very similar. But it's kind of oh, yeah. like JBL's always been the mirror, mirror version of Taker in the sense that like he's the bad guy version. Like, like you <sighs> said, he was raving people with beer bottles. Whereas Taker, when he took people to like Wrestler's Court, was like, all right, and now you have to carry people's
1: bags. Ooh okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's taker wasn't that bully where Bradshaw was that bully, which is weird because like I said, there's they've overlap in a lot of ways yeah but then they're that's so true. different yeah, yeah, very true. I just love that somebody like Joey Styles stood up for himself hell and yeah gave, gave him a cheap cheap shot. I love that especially after the way Bradshaw brutalized the blue meanie. Who's, which is so disgusting the the blue meanie, he's the sweetest man he didn't deserve that I'm I'm all about the blue world order dude. Oh, yeah, man. Dude, Stevie's such a good dude. He's a... It's, Stevie has a... Uh, sorry, Steven. Uh, he has a, a podcast where he talks conspiracy theories. And he's like super fit and like... I mean, I love him with long hair. Can we talk about that? Like, gee, Oh, dude. Yep. <sighs> I'm glad he's got the hair back. It's wild because like I was on a show with Raven a couple of years ago and Raven is such a fucking mess. And then like last year, I'm on a show with Stevie. Stevie's doing like his big Stevie cool shit. He's ripped he's he's a great dude yeah it's it's just kind of weird like how things work out that way like we can talk about right to censor
0: kind of fucking rules though right like that's the biggest trolling i've ever seen in wrestling on like
1: a profound level yeah man uh joey ryan tried to start something like that and then uh it turned out that he's an awful person so <laughs> so there goes his career did you know
0: that the undertaker main evented the first ever Monday Night Raw.
1: Yes, yes, against uh, that weird dude. uh, Damien Demento. Damien, yep, Demento, yep. Yes, I did know that. And did you
0: know that the only reason John Cena debuted on SmackDown was because Undertaker had the butt squirts.
1: That I didn't know.
0: So, Angle was supposed to have a match with Taker. Taker has the flu, can't do it. So then they go, okay, we'll take this kid from OVW, the prototype, John Cena. He says the ruthless aggression line and changes wrestling for the next 10 years.
1: Love it. Crazy, right? Dude, Dude, the way things happen, man. It's just, it's unreal.
0: Did you know that he briefly worked as a bouncer and a debt collector?
1: Yes, that I was aware of. kind of a fitting. That's that's also terrifying.
0: Right? Like, it's kind of cool that you always have that to fall back on.
1: Yeah, you're just a big dude and you can hurt people. And then going to his film credentials,
0: he was obviously in Suburban Commando in 1991 as the villain.
1: That bothered me because at the time I thought wrestling was real and I just couldn't put it together in my head that The Undertaker, who's like... Hulk Hogan's his nemesis that they're in a movie together like my head couldn't process that
0: just say Ted DiBiase paid him baby
1: yeah see I, I would get like scenarios like that in my head to make it sound just I guess
0: oh yeah it's where you're always talking yourself out of it where you're like man he missed on that kick why'd that guy fall down you're like ah, I must have been like the force or something this wrestling stuff's still real and then when it's not you're like oh didn't,
1: didn't quite catch all of it but you just got
0: him just enough I absolutely love like a lot of times you'll hear two commentators one will be like oh he got him the other one's like no I didn't and I just <laughs> love that little yep. tete-a-tete you see it happen a lot on AEW with Excalibur because Excalibur was like sometimes he's the guy who's like yes it definitely worked and sometimes he's the guy who's like no it definitely didn't but excalibur fucking yep. rules dude no he's
1: great he's great he's the, he does really good work
0: the other two things that taker did poltergeist the legacy and then he was in two episodes of celebrity death playing himself i, I would, forgot
1: about that he so did did. I. yeah yeah that was cool um how do you i i remember like attitude era i had a subscription to rolling stone magazine and they covered wwf wrestlers and undertaker's interview was like they interviewed a few of them like austin was one and they were like asking like what music do you listen to when you work out stuff like that and like all of undertaker's answers were just like so fucking rude and it was because he he was a firm believer in kayfabe And protecting the character. Yeah. So now that Undertaker is posting pictures of himself skiing, weird. It's just it's so fucking weird. And there are a lot of guys like Jim Cornette, and there's also these like stupid go fuck your face indie vets out there that are all about like, oh kayfabe bro, kayfabe bro. Like, dude, I will pull up Undertaker's Instagram right now and show you kayfabe is fucking dead. It's dead and buried yeah take take her doing normal people shit dude it's over kayfabe's done
0: the last thing a kayfabe would be if it turned out that john cena was like a piece of shit the whole time and that he isn't the good guy that he's always been but i really
1: doubt that like that dude is like the goodest guy perhaps there's that whole like, like little like conspiracy theory thing that I remember years ago. That the whole time John Cena was actually heel, like, yeah, and uh, it's he was getting booed the whole time. Makes sense, right? You're such a goody-goody two shoes. People don't like you anymore. It's like the Rougeau so it's, brothers, it's, it's, right?
0: Yeah, it's like a gimmick, man. We're doing everything right, but you hate us. Yes. Yep. So we wanted to finish off talking about our favorite Undertaker ripoffs. And oh. I think I got one out of left field. What is it? So I, for first, my mind went to, you know, Abyss. But I'm like, nah, if, if anything, he's a Kane slash un, uh, Mankind ripoff. If anything, even though I like to think of him as own. Then I was thinking Mordecai, because basically he's oh, just yeah. the white version of Undertaker. Yep. And then I realized I have the perfect one. My well, trump card, it. Chuck Palumbo.
1: Oh, my God. That's right. When he had the biker gimmick.
0: 4.30.07, he debuts on a motorcycle and people are like, what? And interestingly yeah, enough, man. he was in an angle with Michelle McCool, who was then Undertaker's third wife.
1: Yeah. That yeah. chick has a type. Clearly. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's a, those are good knockoffs, man. It It seems like a thing that if you're big enough and scary looking, it's just like natural to be at some type of knockoff of Undertaker. Yep. Either it be his look, the fact that you're going to no sell punches or whatever, no sell all that shit, which I hate so much, or you're just going to straight up steal his moveset because that's what big guys do. Big guys do snake guys. Big guys do big boots. Big guys do choke slams. This is, this is just how it is, man. But now You talked about the ones that were like on TV and stuff. Now, me personally, I have encountered blatant ripoffs of The Undertaker. First off, as a, a teenager, I remember going to independent wrestling shows with just like a group of friends and this dude, Nightmare Jimmy Lee, would come to the ring. Now he was shaped like McFoley, but had an Undertaker gimmick. That's oh, the no. other thing too. When you're an independent wrestler, as long as you have like tights with a baggy shirt with the sleeves cut off, y- you're fine. Like that's there you go, man. Do do a few push-ups here and there and get that Kevin Owens look. Um <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Steen to certain people. Yes, 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 of course. Yeah. <laughs> so or that that Samoa Joe look. Yeah, when you're on the indies, you don't I mean, nowadays it's different, but back then, like it was just like all all fat dudes. It was weird. Oh, 100%. Yeah, independent wrestling was not fun to watch. Or um, it you was would the have... opposite, where it was like pure roids and you're like, oh, wow, I can smell the test on you. <laughs> Yeah, dude. I remember like being like 14, going to an indie show that was in my hometown and just like the ropes were the cables that like WWF uses, WWE uses, but it didn't have the rubber over top of the cable. So it was just the cable and it was kind of rusty. And like any time that when you would watch the matches, when people would hit the ropes, they would like kind of stop themselves before they would hit because the cables would just like rip your flesh apart. Well, it turns out this ring is actually still around. It's owned by this guy, Rocky Reynolds in uh, Titusville, Pennsylvania where he puts on a show once a year at a carnival. He gets like a fuck ton of money to run this show and like He'll bring in a name or two and just pocket the rest of it. But like on this independent show, there was Nightmare Jimmy Lee who came out as the Undertaker, like moveset as the Undertaker. But the one thing he did different was he did a choke slam with like a sit out uh, powerbomb mix. So it's like, OK, you're a little bit different, dude. Eh. There was this Lord Zoltan gimmick who kind of a little bit more like Sting. Crow okay. It was like Crow Sting mixed with the Undertaker. He did the the Crow Sting look, but the move set and this he would do the fucking sit up shit. Oh, am I dead? Psych and sit up. He was one of those like older, grizzled indie vets that were around forever. That would just kind of they were bullies.
0: I'm looking at his physique, and I can tell you, he painted his face so people wouldn't look at his belly anymore
1: yeah yeah he's he was nice to some guys like i never had an issue with him but it was the whole like he shouldn't have been there at the time he and his matches were so long and uh. and then we get to a friend of mine and i am (laughs) i would say this shit to his face too damian alexander he's a good friend of mine he is retired he actually his last run he teamed with me He's a fantastic guy. He's in incredible shape. He's tall, great look, but he would paint his face with uh the mushroom head style, like the X's, whatever. Oh yeah. But but same thing. Come to the ring in like a long black coat, come to the ring slow, same fucking move sets, but then like he would throw like the Farouk dominator in there in the mix. And last but not least is another friend of mine, but <laughs> he had uh, one of the most unfortunate runs. In in, that I could ever think of in my area. His name is Riot. It's R Y O T. Great guy, and um, I actually managed him. Oh, really? For, uh, I managed him for a while, and then uh, we eventually had a couple matches together. They were awful. Oh, they were awful. This
0: is the fellow with the Juggalo Hatchet Man tattoo. <laughs>
1: yeah 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 all right he got that covered eventually and he got his other juggalo tattoos so he's if you see pictures of him you could see tape going all the way up his forearms you think oh that looks cool he's coming to fight whatever he was covering up the joker's cards tattoos oh okay yeah um so he he was around for a while he fell into a group of uh There were these other wrestlers here in my area that all kind of like self-train each other. It's just a fucking mess. It's the drizzling shits. It's very what we call shindy.
0: Gotcha. Which is shitty indie.
1: Yes. Yes. And he kind of fell in that group, but he he was very tall. And that seems to be the thing. Like, if you're tall, you're going to have an Undertaker gimmick. Yeah. In in independent wrestling, six foot six is considered tall. Turns out, like, that's like, if he was to be on TV, he would be just as tall as Randy Orton. Yeah, right. He's if you're on tv like you're not a monster but like in independent wrestling when everybody is under 5 foot 8 he's out there fucking choke slamming everyone yeah but same thing it was like kind of like sting kind of twisted face paint twisted the the juggalo band but move set is finisher choke slam choke slam he would do the under the Ah, the thrust to the throat. Oh, the that. Yeah, then obvious obviously the big boot. Now we we got him out of this of this shitty area and we had him we, we started getting him booked on like these good shows like uh in our area and like Rochester and stuff. And like I we were going to Canada get together working for Ron Hutchinson, the guy that trained Edge, Christian, you know, Beth Phoenix, all those guys. We were like working for him. And then he got uh, he got hurt. He came back and he was fat because he was off the steroids. But then he got back on steroids, and it like screwed up his it, it, like screwed up his breathing. And, and he just yeah, like I remember like he was wrestling this guy Bill Collier. And if for if you're listening right now and you're a fan of wrestling, look up Bill Collier and tell me and ask yourself why this guy isn't d- doesn't have a contract anywhere. It, it, it's a fucking it's a crime. He's one of the best wrestlers i've in the world, and he's stuck in. In independent wrestling, I've actually like seen can't, him on YouTube. Yeah, he, he just for some reason he just can't break out of independent wrestling. He can't. I, I don't understand if he doesn't have like like a good social media. Press, I, I don't know, but he. i watched I, his I, match I fucking, with Trent Berda. Yeah, I've seen this before. Yeah, How dude, crazy is that? I fu- and I, I fucking love the guy. He's a he's a teacher. I, like he's just phenomenal. Now I, I've wrestled him. It's one of my best one of my best matches, and he he's so good and he's so calming. He talks to you, and he's. We can, we call him our Undertaker because of how he is in the locker room. Like he, the guy's gotcha. a leader and everything. Now, it's fucking impossible to have a bad match with Bill Collier. They had a casket match and he, uh, riot had an asthma attack crawled no. under the ring where he had like a nebulizer or no, he had his inhaler there. So he's under the ring and he's the face. Bill Collier's the heel and Bill's in the ring. Like what the fuck do I do? Yeah. And then like, this is five, this is less than five minutes into the match. And this is in front of like 430 people. Um, that's a big is our, indie yeah man dude we we had this uh, fire hall and they would just like pack it to the point where like people would have to stand and we would have to turn people away so fucking he's like standing there like an asshole and like your face is under the ring this is his time to shine so Bill like they like crawl underneath and he's like what do you want to do he's like just put me in the casket put me in the casket and like he I, they did a thing where you just like hit him a couple times with a chair got him in the casket and like all uh, right uh, dude it was it was a ni- it was a nightmare to watch like we're all in the back and like what the fuck happened and that was the last time that I was on a show with him uh riot this Undertaker yeah. uh, ripoff character guy. Yeah. Um, And I've, I've seen him since then. Uh, he works once in a while up for another promotion up North, but never anything around here. And I just, I haven't seen the guy in a while. I, I should probably reach out to him. Uh, but like, It's, it just sucks because he had everything going for him. He was, his body was perfect. Everything looked great. He was being booked properly. He was trying to get a, like a tryout in TNA and then he got hurt. And then he just, you know, steroids weren't, weren't really the best thing for him either. So Uh, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It happens.
0: So how about we end on a high note here with, I mean, we've talked about him the n word taker
1: oh oh god what i i don't even know how that happened like how is that even okay it's kind of amazing oh, like it it's yeah, one of those it, so
0: in in music right so i'm a big straight edge hardcore guy and so there's okay. music like there's bands like gorilla biscuits and youth of today and so it was kind of trendy in the early 2000s where gay bands would form to do parodies so it would be like gay gorilla biscuits and youth of today and you're like okay that's funny and then it's that's just the same funny. song right and you're like okay yeah. so it's, i'm just gonna listen to the original there's nothing wrong with your song it's just a you know it's your' just a cover band and this guy is just a cover band and i've never seen such a one-to-one rip-off with such a silly little <laughs> like a quaint twist of a gimmick and it's a kind little of, amazing. Bit of a
1: twist a bit of a twist yeah it, i would definitely tell the listeners to look up N word taker yeah, <laughs> It's amazing. You should definitely Google oh, yeah. it. So one
0: thing I want to talk about there's a certain individual whose entrance was originally a prototype for an Undertaker entrance who is spooky, who is tattooed And is
1: not decidedly not a ripoff. Alistair Black. What are your thoughts? Uh, He's a good dude. Alistair Black's a good dude. He's definitely not an Undertaker ripoff, and he has a sweet entrance, dude. Yeah, his his entrance is. Yeah, he's uh, he's a real good dude. He was on the first ever uh, E.T.D. wrestling show for the uh, the band Every Time I Die that uh, Andy's in, who's the butcher? The butcher. Yeah, and I I got to meet him there, and he's just he's a he's a really good dude, and he deserves you know, he deserves it. So, yeah. And his entrance is, his entrance is killer. That's and they so gave him narly. a good, they
0: gave him a cool song too. That song rips, dude. I listen to that when I work out probably more than any other wrestling theme. And so for oh, those yes. of you who don't know, you can Google, uh, if you don't find enough good substance under Alistair Black, which there's tons, check out his indie name was Tommy end. And there's so yep. much good stuff. He was a great tag wrestler. And then he became a great, you know, singles guy, huge, huge props to him. And also it's so good to see, that he has maintained his uniqueness because you could see how you know look at the way that vince mcmahon does it i was like oh you're buff and you're blonde and you wear red so you must be a, like a little rusky guy or are you must you... be a lifeguard yeah it's like the <laughs> same like it's always the same kind of you know s- spots so it's nice for that so micah we have gone nearly two hours of talking about the undertaker dude i'm sorry i get going man <laughs> I love it. This <laughs> I is apologize. perfect. No, no, no. I'm happy. I'm just letting you know we're, get, we're we're done now. Papa needs some sleep and I think that applies to you as well.
1: Well, babe, I'm exhausted.
0: So Now that we're ending, please tell our listeners where they can find you and all of your pod titillating podcasts going on right now.
1: All right. So I'm on this podcast called The Panel Discussion, where we talk uh, pop culture and then we get into comic books. I kind of, these three of us, I kind of gear towards more of the horror side of things. So a panel discussion, we're on uh, Spotify and uh, I don't know, I guess all those platforms out there. You guys can follow me on Caesar Readaville on Twitter and Instagram. And obviously check out panel discussion on on Twitter and Facebook. Perfect.
0: So for Micah, my name is Jake reminding you to go out there and do something you love. And remember that all work and no power play makes Jack a dull boy. Micah, I'm going to need you to do a mouth fart for me, buddy.
1: A mouth fart? Okay. Is that alright? It's that kind of wet, my hands are sweaty Oh, gross
0: Man, what an appropriate name for a band Just hearing my episode made me tired Poor little Micah staying up till 1.30 bajillion hours in the morning Just to record an episode with me What a mensch, you should definitely check out the panel discussion It's a dope podcast Speaking of dope things, let's talk about morning coffee They are Les dope. You can check them out on Instagram at Morning Coffee P U N X. That's right, two punk rock to spell correctly. Kinda dig it. Also, you can go to Bandcamp.com/slash Morning X Coffee. This is their song "Snakes Love Golden Skin," which makes me feel a little bit worried about my pasty ass because I seriously am now in danger. Uh, you definitely should check them out. Enjoy Morning Coffee with "Snakes Love Golden Skin."
1: Now I've been